most of you know my parents over here are missionaries. And so I grew up in boarding school uh, for many, many years of my life. When I was in the seventh grade, we came here to the States. And I came from a little, it was a boarding school in the middle of nowhere on the side of a mountain, K through 12, 500 kids. The elementary was completely separated from the junior and senior high school. And so it was a small setting, very controlled setting. (laughs) So that year we came to the States and Steph and I ended up in a big inner city school. And there were 2,000 kids, 7th through ninth grades, and I was like a bug on a wall. I mean, I didn't know these people. I didn't know their culture. I didn't know how they did school, and I would just sit there. My very first day, uh, I was so nervous (laughs) that I hooked my feet around the chair in front of me, and I was wiggling it, and I unfortunately wiggled it right when the person in front of me sat down. And they sat on the floor, and so the whole class got a lecture about not messing with chairs, and I just could have just crawled under the door. I wanted to disappear, but you know, it was a, it was a very uncomfortable setting for me, and uh, I was sort of an oddity. I wasn't outgoing, and so I just kind of sat there, and everyone ignored me because they had other people they knew to talk to and stuff, and so in that period of time... I started having this recurring daydream, day-day, fully in control of it. And so in this daydream, I would be sitting here in my my chair, a bug on the wall. No one knows I'm there. I'm insignificant. No one speaks to me. No one notices that I'm there, and here I sit. But what no one knew in my daydream was that I was with the police. Now, I didn't know that the FBI and the CIA, all those existed, or I would have raised my sights a little bit, but the police were pretty important to me. And so in my daydream, I was working with the police. And then all of a sudden, in my daydream, I would get the signal. I don't remember what the signal was. And I would leap out of my chair, and I would pull out my gun, and I would tell everybody I was with the police and to get down. I don't even know where I thought up things like that because we didn't watch shows like that. But anyway, this was my daydream, and that was the end of the daydream because who I was rescuing them was not important. (laughs) What was important is that suddenly Melody emerged from insignificance to everybody admiring me, everybody looking at me and saying, wow, Melody works with the police. She must be super important. And, you know, each one of us, there is on the inside of us this um, not only a longing for significance, but a real, um, if we begin to feel like we have no significance, that nobody recognizes who we are in this life, we can get a little ugly about it. You know, because we're wanting, we're wanting to be valued in this life. And the truth that we find in God's word is that once we find our value in Jesus, then everything else kind of starts to settle down and make sense. Because at the end of the day, no matter what I've done or not done, and how many of you all know that there are some days that you have done things you wish you had not done, and it's, it, it, you wish that you had not been in the limelight when I moved the desk at the wrong time and, and there kerplunk went my classmate. And 
Uh, there are days like that, but even on those days when you have actually done things you wish you hadn't done that brought you some attention you didn't want, there is always this understanding when you understand your value in Christ that he loves you just as much on those days as he did on all of the other days. <laughs> the days when you mess up, the days when you completely flop, you are still significant to Jesus. He doesn't alter. He doesn't falter. He doesn't change with things like that. He loves you, and he accepts you, and he believes in you, and he believes in your value just as much as any other day when you're the superstar and everything goes great. And aren't those days fun? <laughs> but not every day is like that. And so, you know, Jesus' disciples, I'm sure, found themselves in the same sort of a, a situation because they're walking along one day. They did a lot of walking, and I don't know if Jesus just kind of heard some whisperings or what or if he just knew it in his heart. But anyway, he asked his, his uh, disciples a question that shouldn't have been too tough. He said, what you talking about? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> and they didn't want to talk about what they had been talking about because the truth is, and what they finally spit out was that they had been talking about who's the greatest. Now, we hear this with our kids, right? But these weren't kids. These were grown-ups. <laughs> But there was this longing for significance. I want to be the best. I'm the greatest. I am so much greater than you. I have a little bit more education than you, so I am greater than you. And that asks, well, that has nothing to do with it because my family comes from some kind of roots, and so I'm greater than you, and we all can have some sort of little standing. But the disciples found themselves in that same thing. Now, I don't know about you, but if it had been me, I would have started scolding. What is going on? Here I've called you out, I've chosen you, and here you sit on the road arguing about who's the greatest. I mean, good grief, I've got so much resting on you guys, I'm counting on you guys, and here you are. But do you know what Jesus did? He said, oh, you want to be great? <laughs> and he didn't look at that as being a bad thing. Did you know that Jesus doesn't find anything wrong with us wanting to be great? But it's how we do that. It matters. And so let's look at that scripture in um, Mark chapter 9, real briefly, verses 35. It says, he sat down, he called him, he said, if you want to desire, if anyone desires to be first, here's how it goes. This is how you get there. Nothing wrong with wanting that. If you want to be first, if that's what you want, you're going to be the last of all. This is the path. This is how you get there. You want to get there. You're going to be last of all and the servant of all. <laughs> and then the next verse says, he took a little child and he set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said this to them. Whoever receives one of these little ones in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Now, kids in that day were probably, you know, we kind of love on our kids in this day in America, don't we? We can kind of get a little bit carried away with it. We can kind of give them the idea that they're the center of the universe and they have to undo that, you know? And so it's good if we don't do that. But uh, back in this day, children were not highly esteemed. 
You know, when I grew up in Africa, there was sort of a similar thing. Everyone loved the kids, but we had these big long log benches, and if there was a kid, they're sitting on the end, somebody come down and they sit in the middle and the kid would go off the end. It's like, a grown-up needs a seat, so get off, <laughs> get off the bench. And so, how many of you grew up with a kiddie table at family functions? How many of you were at that kiddie table a little longer than what you wanted to be? You know, in bigger families, you tend to, it's like, hey, mom, I'm like 18, had the 18th birthday, the government says I'm a grown-up, and your mama says, I'm sorry, but there's more grown-up grown-ups than you are. You're still at the kiddie table until we get a bigger house or a bigger table, more chairs, more something. And so children are not always highly esteemed, and yet Jesus said, okay, you want the way to greatness. You want to be great. Number one, you're going to have to get under everyone. You're going to be the least. You're going to serve all, not just, I mean, there's some people we don't mind serving, Right? There's some people we look and think, they're worthy of me serving them. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, you're going to be the servant of all. And then he takes a little child and he says, whatever you do for a kid like this, someone who everyone else looks at him and says, you're not really significant, you're not that important, you will be one day. (laughs) But today is not that day. But he said, no, whatever you do for a child like this, it's just like you've done it for me. And so God is not... He's not bothered by the idea of you wanting to be great. But he tells us how how we're going to do it and how we can get to that place of greatness. And it really should be a desire in each one of our hearts to be great in the kingdom. Because if you're not great in the kingdom, then you're really not the asset that you would like to be. In order for me to be great, be classified as great, that means I'm an asset, and each one of us should want to be an asset to the Lord. So we're going to look at some of the whys today of why should we serve. Why should we? Because if you don't come up with a good reason why, you won't. (laughs) You won't pick up the piece of trash. You won't wipe off the table. You won't pick up the dish. You won't teach the children. You won't change the diaper. If you don't find a compelling reason to do those things. And so the very first one that we're going to look at today is really, really simple. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. But that reason is that Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the world, was a servant. He was not afraid to serve. His entire life was an example of serving others even insignificant people. I can remember um, my husband and I spent a year and a half working with my parents in the Congo. And there are a couple things that really impressed me that year about my mom. But one of them was I went into the office where she had her desk. I needed something. And I felt pretty important because I was a teacher in the Bible school. And I obviously needed her attention, so I'm coming to see my mom. And at her desk was a blind beggar who was trying to sell her three pretty rough-looking eggs. And he couldn't even see my mom. He's blind. And he's just sitting there talking to my mom. And mom is looking at his eyes as though he's the most important person in the world. He can't even see her. He doesn't even know. She could have been texting for all he knew. And yet mom was looking at his eyes and talking to him. And here's Melody. (laughs) But mom wasn't going to have it. (laughs) It's like, 
when I'm done with what I'm doing, Melody, I spent my whole life waiting until she was done with what she was doing. But here, when I'm done with what I'm doing, Melody, I'll get to you because it matters to the Lord. We serve everybody. Jesus was that way. The people that um, were always saying, leave him alone. Leave Jesus alone. Jesus always wanted them. <laughs> I think something about people saying that irritated him, and so they got addressed. Okay, stop that. <laughs> I do too want to talk to them. I do too want to minister to them. Hush. <laughs> and so he always did that. So let's start here in this third verse. These are going to just take a deep breath because these verses are a little hard to swallow because they go against everything <laughs> that this world tells us is right. And yet there are a lot of things that this world is wrong about. Let nothing, verse 3, be done through selfish ambition or conceit. We can handle that. Could you all swallow that one okay? Yeah, that, that wasn't too tough. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. <laughs> That's dipping pretty low, isn't it? <laughs> It's not just be nice to Joe. <laughs> it's, you know what, look at Joe, and in the way that you interact with him, treat him as though he's better than you. What does that mean? It means I'm going to serve Joe. You know, sometimes I might be wanting to sit there thinking, hmm, if I sit here long enough, Mike might bring me my coffee. Hmm. But if I'm esteeming Mike better than myself, what am I going to do? I'm going to say, you know, if I want coffee, Mike probably wants coffee. So I can get up and I can get us both coffee. I'm going to esteem him better than myself. I'm not going to sit around making comments about how good it would taste to have some coffee in my cup so I don't have to get up. I'm going to esteem others better than myself. Man, that's a hard one to swallow. <laughs> because everything in this world says, you know, you start having an attitude like that, what would the world tell you? You are going to get stepped on. You are going to get trampled on. You are going to be so devalued. you got to stick up for yourself. That's not the way of the kingdom. Next verse. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests. It doesn't say that we can't look out for our own interests. I mean, you've got to take care of things, but also for the interests of others. That means while I'm taking care of myself, I'm careful that taking care of me isn't hurting you in some way, isn't inconveniencing you in some way. You know, I can say I'm in a super hurry, I'm going to run in that kitchen. I'm going to throw together my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm in a hurry, so I'm just going to leave that knife on the counter. I'm going to leave the crumbs on the counter. I'm going to leave the peanut butter on the counter. I'm going to leave the milk out, and surely somebody's going to come along because I'm in a hurry. No, I have just now, in taking care of my own interests, I have not looked out for the interests of others. <laughs> Next verse, while y'all are swallowing that one, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. The way he thought is the way that we can think. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. I mean, it would not have been wrong for him to say I'm God. I mean, I'm married now, so my name's Davis, but it would not be wrong for me to say that I'm a Hagemeyer. 
I come from the Hagemeyer family. I'm part of that family. But he made himself of no reputation. You know, I'm pretty sure that God was very purposeful in the way things appeared in the birth of Jesus. He was probably the only baby born in a stable that night. (laughs) No claims to a great birth, even though he had created everything that was available there. He was basically his mother, from all appearances, had become pregnant out of wedlock. That was very, very frowned upon. There was nothing really glamorous about his birth or his entrance into this world. I mean, he stripped himself. He made himself of no reputation and then took the form of a bondservant and he came in the likeness of man whom he had created. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross, therefore. So he humbled himself, therefore God also has highly exalted him and he's given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But what did Jesus do before that happened? First of all, he humbled himself. And when he humbled himself, God exalted him. That's just the way that the kingdom works. That's the example that Jesus set for us. Let's look at, um, let's turn to Luke chapter 14. Yeah, we'll go there. Um, so the first, the first thing, reason we should serve is because Jesus did. If Jesus wasn't too good to serve, then what does it say for you and I? We're not too good to serve. He set that example for us. But the second reason that we should is that there is just a different way that the kingdom of God functions, and that's the way that we have to learn to function. And it doesn't function the way that this world functions at all. And so if you're just doing what everybody else does, you're going to be constantly sort of frustrated and thinking, why aren't things working out for me? I mean, how come I can't get anywhere? How come I keep trying and I try to get promoted and I've told everybody how wonderful I am. And I mean, I told them all the things I did when they were out of the office. I mean, I let them know and I'm still, I'm not getting promoted. And I'm just, you are in the kingdom of God and you better understand how the kingdom of God works (laughs) if you want the kingdom of God to advance you and to call you great. So let's read read this simple little... um, lesson that Jesus taught. Let me find a nice piece of light. So it says, verse 7, he told a parable to those who were invited to a, to, like, to a banquet. And when he noted how they chose the best places, he said to them, so he's watching. Everybody came into the banquet and apparently they all chose seats that they felt were appropriate to them. And from the, the looks of it, Jesus is kind of chuckling like, hmm. So you think you're the most important person here, hmm? Oh, that was interesting. Interesting choice of seat because the seats meant something. You know, they actually do in our culture if you really look hard, except most of us don't look hard. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
we just kind of let all that go, you know, into the background. But here's what he taught then. He says, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, don't sit in the best place. Lest one more honorable than you be invited by him, and then he who invited you and him will come and say to you, give place to this man. That would be embarrassing. And then you're going to, with shame, be taken to the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he can say to you, friend, go up higher, and then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, no, let's not go that far. We'll get into a whole, a whole other thing. So the principle that Jesus was saying here, he was saying, don't come into a setting and assign self-importance to yourself. Be humble. Come into a setting, and even if you think, you know, I'm pretty sure that they would want me to take the head seat. I'm the invited guest here. I'm the speaker of this event. So I'm pretty sure that that main seat is for me. Just kind of take a seat somewhere else. Somebody else is going to figure out <laughs> that that's not the seat for you. Somebody else is going to say, what are you doing sitting there? You're our guest of honor. Here's the seat for you. Come sit here. The way of the kingdom is we don't promote ourselves. We allow somebody else to do that. <laughs> we trust in God enough. And I'm telling you, if you don't trust in God with these things, you, you'll, be, you'll be sad. Because <laughs> you'll be constantly thinking, I'm just never, I'm just never going to get anywhere. I'm just, uh-uh. You trust God that God will promote me. He'll put me where I belong. He'll put me in the place I belong. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says this. It says, let another man praise you and not your own lips. <laughs> Don't ever let it be coming out of your lips. I think I should, know. <laughs> you wait and let somebody else say, I think you should have that seat there. I think that's where you belong. I think this is the position for you. I think this is the place for you. We're going to wait on you. Don't you worry about it. No, you sit down. You put that, put that coffee down. I'm going to wait on you. Don't you do that. Don't praise yourself. Don't sit there and say, you know, y'all should be waiting on me because I'm important. That's not the way of the kingdom. We humble ourselves, and then God will exalt us, and he'll put us in the place where we're supposed to be. Now, you may not be put in the place of honor the first time you ever do this, but you get bumped up a seat. <laughs> oh, thank God. Let's turn to Acts chapter um, 20, verse 35. So we should serve because Jesus did. He set the example. We want to be like him. We say we want to be like Jesus. We say we want to be like Jesus when we're talking about healing the sick, raising the dead. <laughs> we should also want to be like Jesus in serving. Uh, and then our second point that we're working on right now, that this is the way of the kingdom. Simple message here in Acts. <laughs> it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> I sat, somebody brought me coffee, and it was great. <laughs> the truth is that when they brought you the coffee, you missed out a blessing that we'll talk about in just a few minutes. There is something about that feeling when you realize that you have done something that blessed another human being. It doesn't even have to be another believer. 
There is just something about it when you know that you've been a blessing to someone else that brings you something so much greater than what you ever gave. It's got to be something... It's got to be something that's just from our our being godlike, our being made in the image of God. But it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you're struggling with that in your mind, just do it. <laughs> Instead of thinking, "What can I get? What can I get?" It bless somebody with else, and and you're, you'll start to figure out how the kingdom works. Then Galatians chapter six. Uh, we won't read this whole passage, but it talks about the concept of sowing and reaping. And this concept of sowing and reaping has been here from way back in the beginning. <laughs> Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden and God was good enough to give us this. We have the ability to get increase in this life in so many ways. You know, we can sow financial seeds. We can also sow seeds of kindness. We can, show, we can sow seeds of just helping others. We can, we can sow seeds of helping with the things that are inside our brains. You know, God's gifted each of us. He's, he, if you want help with something really technical, don't come to me. Do not come to me. I will leave you worse than how you started. I don't have that gift, <laughs> but, but I'm good at figuring things out. I can usually do that pretty well. If you've got a problem, you can't figure out how to solve it, I'm pretty good at that, but don't come for me with the other things. And, you know, as we each give, if we sow what we have, whatever that that is, we will always in the end reap. But in this world, it's like, no. If I, take my, if I take my talent and I spend it all on you, I'm not going to have time for my stuff. If I take my money and I give it to this thing or to that thing or to this person who's in need, I'm not going to have enough money for myself. No, there's this principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap in this life. You'll always reap. It's a kingdom principle, but you've got to adjust your brain to start thinking that way. And if you don't trust in God... You're just going to sit there thinking, this will never work. This will never, ever, I'll never get anything done. I'll never have anything. I'll, everybody else around me will because I'll be giving them all I have, but I won't ever have anything. you got to trust in God and adjust your thinking to line up with his. Then um, a phrase Jesus used a lot. He said this. He said, the last will be first. That means if you if you stayed up, you know, you stayed up all night, make sure you're first in line. You want the best seat. You want the best. There's nothing wrong with that, really. But in life in general, there's something wrong with that. But not to get a good seat at a concert or something. But Jesus said the last, the first are going to be last, and the last are going to be first. That means if you put yourself, if you promote yourself, if you put me, I'm here, I'm first, through the events of life, you will end up at the back of the line. <laughs> Nobody may try to do it to you, but that's just the way things work. But if you will humble yourself, you know, don't you love those people who you're in the grocery line and they say, oh, go ahead of me. I just love those people, especially when I only have one thing. And I try to make my card go super fast, and I try to do everything really fast so that I don't keep them. But, oh, I love those people. They're so kind. They allow you. They're not saying, no, I got here first, and I have 100 things in my cart, and I've got to start scanning now. They prefer you, and they say, you, you go ahead of me. 
They put themselves last and they put you first. And I'm telling you, the simplest things like that will bring blessings into your life because that's the way of the kingdom. You want to get ahead? Humble yourself. <laughs> and so then our third point, our very first point was why do we do this? Who was our example? Jesus was our example. He was the greatest servant of all. Number two, we do it because this is the principle of the kingdom. If I serve you and you serve her and she serves him and he serves her, everybody's needs will be met. But if there's one of us sitting here saying, nuh -uh, then it's like a traffic jam. <laughs> do you like being in a traffic jam? <laughs> No, we want the blessings to flow through the body. The Bible compares us to a physical body as the body of Christ. Everything flowing. You know, you don't have to think about your body. The only time really we think about our body is when something goes wrong with it, isn't it? Yeah, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden you, you have a hurt part of you and, and then you value it highly. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that hurts. Or you go to the doctor, and maybe he says, oh, this isn't working right. It's like, it's probably been 15 years since I even thought about that part of my body and never gave it a thought. But as long as everything is doing its part, there's a flow, and all the needs are met in the body. And that's what Jesus wants from you and I. But then there's this last point. And this is a point that we forget, and it's a point that you really should never, ever, ever forget because your lifetime here on this earth is only a speck of your entire existence. <laughs> Once you leave this life, whether Jesus comes and takes us back, whether you walk out the course of your life and you die in your old age and, and then you go to heaven, however you leave this life, what is beyond this life is infinitely more vast than what you have experienced in this life and how foolish would it be for us to our, live our lives with our eyes blinded to that, acting like it didn't matter. <laughs> oh, just when I get to heaven, it, all my problems will be done. You have such a small concept of heaven. <laughs> heaven is going to be so much more than you not having problems. <laughs> And so the third and the last one is that in serving others, there is reward. That means that God, I don't know what his accounting system is in heaven, but he keeps track. <laughs> he knows what you've done. He sees the things that you do that nobody else does. He knows when you're struggling with your attitude, and you're like, leaving their stuff around all the time. And then you adjust your attitude and you go to, oh, thank you, Lord, that in everything I do, I'm doing it unto the Lord. The timer started right there. It started. He didn't miss it. He saw you, that you got your attitude adjusted, that you started doing what you were doing out of love. And it went on. Melody's servant. She said, hey, hey, Gabriel, Gabriel, Get it on the books. Make sure it's on there. I'm telling you, I don't understand. The Bible doesn't really have um, a whole lot of explanation of exactly what this reward thing is going to be in heaven. or It may just be the fact that suddenly we get to heaven and we understand the huge value of living for others. 
And just that understanding is just our reward in itself. <laughs> I don't know. But there's some sort of a system, and we're going to look at these really briefly. But I'm telling you, there is a reward <laughs> for us for serving those who are around us. So let's, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. One of the, you know, I was raised in church. I should be a whole lot smarter about the things of God now than I, than I am. But the Lord loves me anyway. And, and you do too. <laughs> you may not know it, but you do. But, you know, when I w- it hasn't been too long ago, probably about 10 years ago, I was at the mall here in Pueblo, and I was coming to one of the main entrances, and there's these big glass doors. And as I'm approaching the door, I see someone approaching for the other, from the other side, and I'm saying this all, you know how fast our thoughts go and everything, so this happened a lot faster and I wasn't quite as rotten as what this makes it sound like. But <clears throat> as we're both approaching this door, destined to reach the door, reach the door at just about the same time, I slowed my steps. And as I slowed my steps, some of y'all are like, and? No. So I wanted to make sure they got to the door before me and opened it so I could just walk through. And as I slowed my step, these words just came into my heart who's going to get the blessing? Because there's a blessing to be got. (laughs) Somebody is going to get to open the door for the other body, and whoever gets to the door and opens the door for the other body gets the blessing. And honey, I stepped up my steps, and I got that door open because you know what? we got to be kingdom-minded. we got to remember that there's more to life than just getting to heaven and not having any problems. In this life, everything that we do for others out of a heart of love. Everything that we do for the kingdom, out of a heart of love, there's going to be a blessing for us in heaven. Like I said, I don't know what it is. When I was a kid, some of the books I read, it was like we're going to have this crown, and every time you do a good thing, there's a bigger jewel in it, and a, a jewel, and a jewel. And I thought, this is a very big crown, and I'm not sure if I want to walk through all eternity with such a you know, bulky thing on my head, so I don't think that's it. But somehow... There are blessings that are going to come on us in heaven. And we're going to read some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13 is really one of the, <clears throat> the great ones that makes you think. We're just going to read the first three verses, which are not everyone's favorites. But it's good for you to read them, so here we go. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. Means I sound good to everybody. But God knows what's going on in my heart. I've become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Did I get a blessing? Does it sound from that to you like I got any sort of a blessing? (laughs) I might even have been ministering to someone but didn't have love in my heart. Mm -mm, No blessing in that. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith, would you all like to be there in those words I just read? Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. So that I could remove mountains but have not love I am nothing. Now, everybody around you might think that you are something. But on the tally of heaven, Gabriel's sitting here and his pen is still. (laughs) It's like, ain't nothing going on down there. (laughs) And then this is the clincher. This is the clincher. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, so Literally, think through this. You put your house up for sale. You took all the money. 
You gave it to things that helped the poor. You took all your assets, you sold them. You took all the proceeds and you gave it to help the poor. That sounds pretty significant. And yet this scripture says, but have not love. If I didn't do it from a heart of love, it profits me nothing. I did a great act. I did a great thing. It actually helped people. But if the motive of my heart was, look at me, or if the motive of my heart was, everybody's going to think I'm so awesome, his pen is still. I, I literally liquidated everything I had and gave it to the poor, and there's no profit for me, eternally speaking. There are rewards for serving one another in this life. There are rewards for doing that out of heart of love, humbling ourselves in truth and serving one another, doing things for one another, knowing someone's having a hardship, man, thinking, man, I've been saving six months for this thing that I wanted to get, but man, oh, my heart, I can tell what the Lord wants me to do with that money, wants me to help you with your hardship. Nothing. <laughs> will be overlooked. Whatever you sow, honey, you will reap. It's the way of the kingdom. There are blessings, there are rewards. Let's look, um, okay, I think I'm okay. Let's look at Colossians 3, because this is really important. Colossians three twenty-two, and it says this. Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. That means you don't work when they're looking. <laughs> you work all the time. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you say, okay, t- tell us when the boss comes into the office. All right, okay, everybody look busy. Everybody look busy. Here we go. No, that's eye service. <laughs> no, we do it with sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, every single one of us should have this scripture embedded in our minds and in our hearts. Whatever you do, we do a lot of, especially mamas, small children. There are many things that we do that involve diapers that are not glamorous. And yet, think of this scripture. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. (laughs) Whatever you do. You might have a job today where you think, I hate my job. (laughs) This is the most disgusting job I've ever had. I just hate it. Whatever you're doing. (laughs) I always thought I could do almost anything. I, I enjoy working. And, but one of the jobs I always thought I would struggle with is a mall and a dust mop. It would feel like it was never ending. (laughs) I thought, Lord, I don't know, but I could do it heartily as unto the Lord. Melody being melody, I would calculate the number of all the squares and I would figure out some way to make it interesting and fun. But whatever you do, you know, sometimes raising kids is a lot of fun, isn't it? And then sometimes raising kids is not a lot of fun, isn't it? 
<laughs> Sometimes the yes ma'ams and the yes sirs aren't coming. <laughs> Sometimes those arms are folded and it doesn't feel very fun anymore. Whatever you do, do it heartily is unto the Lord. Doesn't matter what you find is on your plate. Doesn't matter if your boss hands you something. You might even think, this was not in my job description. I'm pretty sure that's in Henry's job description over there. Why is this coming to me? Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Why? Because if we do it heartily and we do it as unto the Lord, we're going to be rewarded. There are rewards. Not only am I serving, not only am I sowing, but the Lord sees my heart. And if I got Harry's, Harry's job that he was supposed to do and I got it instead, the Lord knows. He's going to make sure that I'm taken care of. He's going to make sure that I'm not trampled on, smushed. He will promote me. I don't have to worry about me because God's looking out for me. Then let's look at, uh, wow, let's look at, oh, yeah, we're going to have to keep going at this. Let's just look. Why don't you turn to John chapter 4? And we'll, we'll be close to closing with this. John chapter 4. Jesus had just walked with his disciples a very long way. They'd been walking for hours. And you remember Jesus was God, but the body was the body of a man. He got tired just like you and me. And what happens after you've been walking for several hours? What do you want to do? You just want to rest. How many of you have been naughty like me and on an airplane or something? You just don't want to talk to nobody. So you sit in the chair and you close your eyes. Surely they won't talk to a sleeping person. Because I want to talk to anybody right now. And that wasn't even after walking several hours. Jesus was tired, and he sat down, and his disciples went off to get food, and instead of putting his back against something and acting like he was asleep, after all of that, he saw somebody who had a need, and he engaged her. And we won't go into the story, but he really ministered to this woman. <laughs> he impacted her life. She went back to her city and she brought everybody out. Jesus ministered to all those people who came out. And when his disciples came back, this is the part that I want us to look at. When his disciples came back, verse 31, it says, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. They'd gone into the town, walked several hours. And they came and said, here, Jesus, eat. And this is what Jesus said. He said, he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Serving this woman, serving the people of this town, ministering to him, to them, had so deeply satisfied him that he had just pushed his physical hunger to the side. There is a blessing in serving others. There is a blessing when you have needs of your own. He was tired, he was hungry, he was thirsty, and yet he put his own needs aside to minister to someone else, and in that, God still made sure that he was himself satisfied. I promise you that if you will give your life to serving others, 
serving people in this body. We have a lot of places to serve here. <laughs> we have kids who need to be taught these things young. Do you know that? The things that you're taught young, oh, honey, they stick with you like nothing else. <laughs> there are kids here that we need to teach things young. We need to teachers. There are diapers to be changed. There are things to be tidied. There's adults to be taught. There are all sorts. There's happy faces we need at the door to greet people and make people feel loved and welcome. All sorts of place ways to serve here in this body. But even out past this body, when you're walking in your neighborhood and you see a can in somebody else's yard that obviously someone's thrown out. It's not your can. And it's not your yard. <laughs> but you can serve. You can pick up that can and you don't even have to go knock on the door and say, I just want you to know, yesterday morning there was a can in your yard and I picked it up for you. <laughs> and wait to be acknowledged. Because God saw it. <laughs> Anything God, sa God sees, you will, you will never ever lack in serving others. Wherever you go, opening doors. I'm a little quicker with doors these days. Getting to it first. Opening a door for someone. Letting someone else go first at the, at the, at the line. Looking to see if somebody else needs help. Looking to serve in any way that you can. Volunteering to your boss to do something extra. That's not in your job description. If we give our lives to serve others, <laughs> we will be satisfied by that experience. And then this very last verse, this is another verse everyone should know, Matthew 6, 33. Always remember this. Seek first. Put first. Yourself? No. Your family? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to take care of your family, right? No. It says seek first. First, the kingdom of God. That means just put the kingdom, not only its business, but its ways first. Put first the way that the kingdom functions. Don't worry about how everyone else functions. Don't worry if no one, everyone else walks the neighborhood and they never pick up trash that doesn't belong to them. Don't worry about that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you do, all sorts of things. <laughs> some of them will be material. Some of them might be help. Maybe you need help with something. But all those things will be added to you if you put it first, if you put the kingdom first. But I'm telling you, but if you reverse that, do it the non-kingdom way, say, I will get to the kingdom, but what I'm going to do is I got my laundry I got to take care of first, and then I've got to take care of my garden. And then I've got my own weeds. I'll take care of your weeds later. I've got my own weeds to take care of. And then I've got to... You'll never get around to kingdom business. <laughs> You'll never find time to serve others. <laughs> but if you seek first, if you put first God's way of doing things, he will add all sorts of things to you in the process. You will never, ever... You might in a moment. Because we have flesh, don't we? So I bring Mike his coffee in the morning. Here's your coffee. And the next morning I'm waiting. Okay, it's reward day. Honey. <laughs> no, that's 
not the way this works. You keep serving and God will make sure. You don't designate, Lord, I want my service to come through Dwayne. No. God's got all sorts of people he's going to use to bring blessings to you. You don't worry about any of that. You just worry about serving and putting his kingdom first.